right. Welcome to the Reimagine Teaching Podcast, a podcast for teachers, by teachers, about teaching and reimagining a better future for educators and students. I am here today with Mia Moore. Um, and this is the first time we've been able to sit down and talk about teaching. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> so um, I'm really grateful that you took the time. I know I'm doing some of these episodes in the summer and some people are like, great. And some people are like, I don't want to think about it yet. I so prefer summer. So prefer the summer. <laughs> yeah, doing it after work and you're like, we're trying to be positive. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Especially, especially like the first quarter. No, thanks. No. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining me um, for this episode. I'm really excited about our conversation. Oh, absolutely. So we always start with what's bringing you joy lately. Um, Hopefully there's a lot because it's summer, <laughs> but what's something that's making you extra joyful lately? Um, at least so I'm in Minneapolis um, for obviously people who don't know me personally. <laughs> um, and we recently have been having some gorgeous summer days, like 70s with a light breeze and sunshine. And um, that's been really wonderful seeing as I choose not to work during the summer and I'm going to take my contract and just not work and I'm not a parent. So I've been doing lots of walks and just being outside and enjoying the weather as much as possible. So in those Minnesota winters, you know, you got to take the summer. Right. <laughs> right. And when it's not 90 degrees outside. Correct. Did you guys have a lot of smoke and stuff a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. So actually the wildfires were affecting Minneapolis probably starting like a month and a half ago. Um, and it got to the point where like the sky was brown and orange and it kind of looked like a zombie movie was going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, we were actually still in school. So it was oh. the end of May, beginning of June. And oh. we went out to recess and we literally like, it smelled like the field was on fire. So right. we had to get back in. So yeah. happy that, that we've had a few days of reprieve from that. Cause yeah. I know down in Southeastern Wisconsin, you guys have been getting a, some of that smoke. Yeah. We had a couple of days that were really bad and it was one of those, it was really bizarre having a new baby and being like, I had the house all day and Joe came home with groceries and I was like, where did you go? It reeks. And he's like, that's the outdoors. <laughs> yeah. It smells like a bonfire outside. It's gnarly. And then we had to like, it was a very COVID-esque. We had to like cancel plans because we were like, oh, we'll go out to dinner and walk around downtown. And I was like, we're yeah. not bringing the baby. Nope. You can't. I, you were asking before we started recording. Yeah. Um, I'm super excited about the podcast. I was nervous. So I took a break from recording maturity leave and then the summer okay. and I was really nervous when I started scheduling interviews that I would be over it I'd be like oh just kidding I actually don't want to do like, this I don't want to do this anymore yeah <laughs> um and so I was like I just have to commit and hope that my maybe ADHD doesn't turn against me <laughs> I feel that so hard yep mm -hmm. um, there. yeah so but no it's been really fun so um I'm really excited about going back to school and about the conversations I get to have. Yeah. Um, I am finding ways to make it a little bit easier on myself so I don't get burnt out with it because I do enjoy it. So I have um, an editor who does all the audio editing. Yep. Um, and then because I'm pre-recording a lot of stuff in the summer, like any content that goes on Instagram can be pre-made and stuff. That's, I was going to, I was wondering like how busy is that for you starting? Because I know for me, like starting a school year, those first six weeks are super Oh, it's awful. Stressful. <laughs> I can only imagine that like trying to be a new parent and record a podcast right. and then like have a marriage and all of the right. other things that come with that. And like, I know yeah. you're involved in your community outside of your home and school. So yeah, my goal is to have five episodes, which would be 10 weeks worth done before school starts. Yeah. Is our start of the school year 
is um, I mean, the regular start of school year stuff. I try to be really involved with freshman stuff, yeah, um, which is after school, a couple things. And then um, on top of our regular like schedule and workload, we also are responsible for testing and screening any new students um, oh. moved to the U.S. over the summer. That makes sense, I guess. Yeah. So, but those have to be done in one sitting. And so it's very like, is that the weighted? Is that the weighted yeah. test? Okay. Yeah. So you don't get a prep for a couple of weeks because you're oh my. Do you get like, testing? Do you get reimbursed for that in any way? No. no, KUSD doesn't have that set up. No. So yeah. So the first couple of weeks are really hard with yeah. like trying to be present for students and starting the school year, but also we have a lot of extra stuff that has to get done. It's all those things that aren't like when you write down, like, what are the duties of a teacher? Like right. those things that are not included that it's like, oh, right. but you have to do this. Like, yeah, I'm not going to say no because you care about your students. Right. Like, helping. but then the paperwork has to be done by first Friday count. So, yeah. But, so then it's like, just, we really care about you, but like, get it done now. Yeah. And first Friday, I think is the third Friday of the school year. Yeah. So it's like three weeks in all the paperwork needs to be in place. That's wild. No pressure. Well, that and was like, the other reason why I would, um, yeah, I remember I could take more maternity leave, except it's unpaid. And yeah. I would come in six weeks into the school year and have to like then do start of the year stuff and class expectations. Really and I was like, that would be more miserable than just starting the year. And would you still have to do the sub plans for those six weeks? Yeah. Yeah. So like really you're still doing work. Right. What is can you describe your position in your classroom a little bit? For sure. So I am a autism specialist is what Minnesota would define it as. So I have a teaching license birth through the age of 21 to teach autism from mild to severe diagnoses levels. Um, my expertise is in pre-K through second grade. That's the age range I've been working with for the last 11 years. And so um, in many in Minnesota, classrooms are kind of divided we don't, they've kind of moved away from this language, but like when you're getting your special ed license, um, so if you get a special, like a specific license for a disability, like myself, you're typically going to be teaching the moderate to severe. So students who, you know, really need the majority of their instruction outside of that general education classroom, right. where teachers who have more of a broad special education license, so across multiple disability categories, will be more of those like mild to moderate students who can get pulled out, like who can handle more of like, a, oh, I go to Miss Lang's class and then I get pulled away for 30 minutes. Right. And like, they can do all those transitions. They can handle like just being given tools and understanding how to use them versus like, oh, you kind of need help facilitating your daily routine. And like, yeah. you can't always be alone because little things could pop up. So that's yeah. a very long explanation but so well I have um a setting so a federal setting three classroom um and so it's myself and two special education assistants and we're supposed to have a maximum of eight students on our caseload um this year I had 11 and it's really rough are your um aides allowed to help with the like federal paperwork IEPs no and stuff? Okay. So this is when you talk about like a max caseload, some yeah. of that stuff legally has to be on you. Mo yeah. So like, that's kind of how we kind of like, as our team, it's like everything's happening in the classroom, like person to person, 
I like see us all, like we all are on the equal playing field. And I tell them that like, you are as much as an educator as I am. Like you are implementing things, the same thing I am. Like I'm learning from you, but the after it's kind of those like the prep time and the after and before hours, like that's my time to get all that crazy paperwork, IEPs, managing the back and forth between parents and other educators and the specialists in the building and their ELL teacher, like right. all of that um, legally is my responsibility. And like, yeah. I'm not actually allowed to have them like help technically with it. Right. Um, but yeah, so in our room, we try to do as much inclusion as possible. That makes sense for our kids rather than kind of what, you know, the district wants us to be like, oh, well, they should be in there for math and reading, but like, does it benefit them as a right. student, as an individual, or right. like, can we do something alternative in our room that they can still have access to math in an environment that benefits them and right. isn't forcing them to be uncomfortable? I should only have eight kids next year, um, but as the K through first grade teacher at my school or the K through one autism teacher at my school, because we're lucky enough in an elementary school to have three autism teachers, that there's usually a lot of students who come to kindergarten to their first school experience ever, and they've never been diagnosed before. And so that's part of my job is being part of that team to figure out how much support do they need? Are we actually allowing them time to adjust to kindergarten? Mm-hmm. Like, are you just five in a new in a new environment? Right. You don't, you've never had strangers giving you instructions in a chaotic room before, or right. do you have a disability and this isn't working for you? But yes, yeah, so my classroom um, and my job is, I'm really lucky that I kind of, you know, obviously I have to stick to my IEPs and I get to create them, but like, I feel like I have a really special job in that I really get to build my classroom to be like the community and the environment and set that tone with the other adults in the room about like, this is going to be a safe place that kids, you know, a lot of kiddos with autism, like have really intense stims and sensory needs. And like, that can happen. Like we build in that time for you to have those moments and like, no one is judging you. And we get to do that education to other students about like accepting people's differences without disclosing that student's health information that they have a disability and so that's like a really hard thing I think to navigate in the element like in high school I feel like everyone kind of you know has this understanding like you can kind of understand when maybe a student like you know what special education is you might understand that like oh I see that they go to this other teacher they have this person like they're probably in special education and you know what that means but seven-year-olds are like, why do you get to go to Miss Nia's class and I don't? Right. For the record, I do still get that as a high school ESL teacher, but that's because they want, they think my students are just skipping class when they come. Yeah, yeah, I bet. They're like, but you have the trampoline in your room. I want the trampoline. I'm like, and I always get stuck and I'm like, I want you to be able to come visit me, but like, I can't pull you out of right. I'm on the trampoline. I'm really sorry. Right. We have a couch in our room and I had a girl one day was very sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, not one of my students, but like one of her friends was like, you have to go to Miss Lang. She has a couch and she'll let you take a nap. And oh. I came in and was like, are you okay? She's like, I have cramps. Oh. And I was like, lay down. Lay down. It's my prep. The lights are going to be, uh, yeah, I was like, lights are going to be off anyway. And as long as you don't talk to me so I can get work done. Right. Tonight. Right. Like here's a safe place and I'm going to go do my job. Cool. Right. But, but it is hard. Yeah. When other students yeah, like, but also like, are you on lunch or study hall right now? No, sure. I'm really sorry. You have then to I can't let you be in here. <laughs> so sorry. So we were going to talk about teacher turnover today. Yeah. 
I think we can talk about both aspects. And I don't know if different in different school districts. One is teachers are leaving by choice. Yeah. Right. And turnover of, you know, people are not staying in the field. Um, and the other is teachers are getting like pushed out or asked, not asked to come back. Yeah. And I think another part of it too is, I mean, I don't know KUSD as much, but like in Minneapolis, like the amount of staff that are, we used to have more staffed buildings and because of budget cuts, it's like, oh, well, we're going to reduce educate, like special or not even special education, but like educational assistance. Yeah. So like the number of adults in schools is just decreasing. Yeah. Which I think then aids to turnover. Like it's unbelievable to me. Yeah. And we've had that in Kenosha. There's been a lot of discussions um, post pandemic about the birth rate is decreasing. So school enrollment is decreasing. Yeah. Which is a national issue. Yes, it Um, is. And so, yeah, so our school budget is decreasing because we have less students. Yeah. But where those cuts come from, and we just closed an elementary school. I heard about that. Yeah, at the end of the school year, they closed an elementary school. And so all those students, we have neighborhood schools and all those students will then get distributed to other schools um, in the area. And, but same thing, yeah. So then we don't have funding for ESPs and aid. We have fewer um, support staff or teachers in general. A lot of our, at the high school level, foreign languages every year is kind of iffy. Sure. Or in culinary class, like if you're going to have next year I even like I remember our senior year in Kenosha there was like god so it was that 20 2010 2011 school year and there was you know talks in Wisconsin about all these budget cuts and I remember my high school stats teacher being like they're probably gonna cut the arts like they're going to cut these classes for you and I was that's how I know your husband Joe yeah (laughs) Uh, we were quite involved in theater together and like that I just remember this it was like this distraught sense among so many students that like oh we're not gonna and like I remember like I didn't I I was not part of the ELL program but I do remember them saying like we're gonna cut language teachers we're gonna have to cut art we're gonna have to cut like athletic like all of the other things that are not academics right and I remember at 18 I was like oh that's not great like because of my personal attachment to it but now that I'm in education 12 years later I'm like it's still like this is just always a problem isn't it yeah, and that's insane. Then at the elementary level, and it sounds like your building already gets better staff than the elementaries I worked in. Um, but I worked at an elementary with one principal, yeah, and one person who was part-time social worker, part-time counselor, oh. Oh and that God. was our admin. Wow. And so, and we had one inclusion special ed room. Wow, that's and so that's when we said like someone's out. Or when there's right. an emergency. Right. That was right. That was, it was, I was worked there during COVID. I mean, oh literally our whole admin team was out sick at one point. Woof. Because our whole admin team was like three people and two extras who took on responsibility sure. sometimes. Sure. <laughs> like, but they right. were all out sick. Right. Um, but that like, um, and we can talk about like, that was so also so detrimental to the students and yes. to the other staff members. Yeah. That we had a lack of staff. Yeah. I mean, you probably remember like Minneapolis Public Schools. We went on strike last year. Yeah. Three and a half weeks. And a lot of, right? Like, so there's kind of this, like, this was a, this effect after the strike of there were a large amount of teachers that left the district after our strike. 
I mean, yes, like we did get a contract. Um, we're technically working under, not with a current contract right now. Um, but like we, a lot of people, because we didn't really get a lot of the things we asked for, but it kind of got to the standstill of like, we need We know we need to be back in school, right. but if we don't, if we're not caring for our teachers, we can't care for our students. And like, there was this really misunderstood message in yeah. Minneapolis that it was like, you're dead. Like you're hurting the kids. You're hurting the kids. I'm like, we understand that they are not in school right now. But also, if you don't take care of your teachers, like if your teachers don't have the supports, how in the world are the students going to get support? Right. The people that are supporting your students need to be supported. Right. They need to have resources and they need to have communication and they need to have safe working environments. And like the situation you're explaining, right, of like two admin, holy moly, like that's not resources, that's not support, and that's not safety. Yeah. I had pulled up some stats because I think it's easy, like on a small scale, like to see in our school buildings, how teachers are leaving. Yes. Um, but one of the stats that came out recently is they say that 30% of teacher, new teachers quit in the first five years. I did read that. Um, and attrition has went up 4%. So pre-pandemic, about 6% of teachers sure. quit every year. And now it's up to 10 wow. on average. But it's even higher at low-income yep. urban schools or teachers who work with special needs students. Yep. Which would be yours and my job. <laughs> yep, our jobs right, um, there. Yep. right there. And so, yeah, that ten percent of teachers leave um, each year who work in those you know, or more yeah. work in those positions. And it's so so much of it is because of it's so weird and circular because of a lack of support. Yep. Teachers are leaving, which is leaving huge gaps and leaving Which the rest of us unsupported. Yep. <laughs> and it just keeps going. And it was like, I mean, honestly, like we felt that when we were on strike, like we knew that what we were doing, what was right, but don't get me wrong. We out, we, we weren't like heartless. It was like, we understand that our kids are now not getting the support that we want them to have, but we know if we don't fight for it now, it's never going to happen. And I, and like, Seattle went on a strike. LA went on a strike. Yeah. I feel like I'm forgetting another bigger city, but like, I think there was like four big public school strikes in the last year and a half. Yeah. And it's wild. Like I, my first job, I mean, I, I got my degree in education and I went and back, you know, I got my master's and my teaching license, but I also was working at like an autism clinic. And so I got a different, I had like a clinical license. And so I was working at an autism nonprofit and I forgot that in grad school, I had submitted my application to like the Minneapolis public schools, like candidate pool. Yeah. And so I randomly got a phone call one day that was just like, hey, we think you'd be good for this job. And I thought it was a spam. And so I kind of told them to go away. And they're like, no, ma'am, like you submitted your resume. And so I was like, I kind of got into Kate and I decided to go for that interview. And I kind of really got into education weirdly. Like I never thought I would really go. And so then I started working at this school and, um, you know, it was like 99.7% low income. Um, it was a homogenous um, black school um, in a really low income area, area of Minneapolis. And most of us teachers were in like our first six years of teaching at the school. I mean, I loved that job, but holy moly, the resources that like were lacking and the amount of like I ended up having to leave my third year there. But it was unbelievable how many like support staff would leave halfway through the year. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't think it was because of the students or because of the neighborhood in any way, shape or form. It was because of 
the supports and the consistency and the resources that were provided or the lack thereof. Sorry, this is a little bit of a tangent, but they decided to like rezone yeah. the whole city um, because Minneapolis is one of the most gentrified cities in the United States still. Um, and like the history of red zones and redlining still has a really big impact here. Um, and so there was this push for like integrated schools. But so the idea was like, oh, we're going to bus kids from one side of the city to the other side. It was this whole big mess. Um, and so they came up with this whole massive plan during COVID. So schools shut down and then 43% of Minneapolis public school students had to switch schools after the pandemic. So they had to go to a school that was not their community, not the students or the teachers that they had known before, right. like they were coming back from this traumatic life event as a person under 18 years old. And so with that, most of us, like people like me, who they moved a bunch of like programs around. So like I had to reapply an interview for a job in the district I had a contract for, 46% of staff had to get new jobs. So with the shuffling of students and staff, like we've seen even more of that, like misrepresent, not misrepresent, like a lack of support and resources because now we're trying to like build these new schools from the ground up almost like right. at a school that has a history, obviously. Right. We're just trying to figure out like, how do we do this? Because they eliminated the school I was in, um, they used to have an EL staff per grade. So literally there was seven EL teachers in this elementary school, which is unbelievable and such an amazing resource. And they got, and like, I think it was a school of like 600 students and it's now 400, but like, that's not that huge of a cut. We're down to two EL student, two EL teachers. Um, they had to let go of, there used to be one support staff per grade. We now have two support staff for the whole school. And then thankfully us special ed, because of laws, special ed, support wasn't cut but it's just unbelievable to me that like so this principal is going from like he had this mindset and there that admin had this plan right where they had all this support per grade and they were like we understand that this is not common but it's what we were used to doing right. and now we're trying to figure out how do we provide the same amount and quality of support with a sixth of the staff we used to have or whatever the math really right. is. but it is, and I know KUSD has been, like, I've seen people posting of, like, oh, our school has four support openings, or our school has, like, there's just, because it's a hard job. Yeah. Well, and my mother-in-law, that's her job. She's a mm -hmm. para. Um, mm -hmm. And and talking to her about, you know, um, support staff, especially the paras, like, in our district, um, you know, you don't get paid a teacher salary. No. But you're working with some of the most difficult students. Yes. And you're put in a really hard position where you're given these intensive, like, legal doc. Like, hey, you have to follow this and abide right. by this while supporting some of the most vulnerable students in this school who may also exhibit aggression and who may also have right. anxiety and other comorbid diagnoses. And you're supposed to somehow, like, support multiple students at the same time. It's just, yeah. I, I honor... Like I respect support staff so much. Yeah, and so for my for my mother in law and my best friend is a speech therapist in the for the preschool kindergarten. Yeah, um, and so she as a speech therapist, you know, does minutes. Sometimes she goes into the preschool yeah, class yeah. and does minutes in there. And even she's like, I end up being a support person yeah. because she's like, if one kid is running around and screaming and throwing, what it's not safe for the rest of the class, no. and someone has to do something. 
Um, but she came home last year from work with like three or four bites and a couple of yeah. scratches from a kid. Um, I know my mother-in-law has dealt with the same thing. Um, it's hard. But then, yeah, the pay and compensation doesn't match. They're no. hourly. So like. Right. Like over the they summer, they don't have. Six days and they don't get paid for days that we have off. Um, and so as far as the respect of like, you're doing a difficult job and you should be compensated for it. I don't yep. see that. And I think that's true for classroom teachers too, just not to a greater, that's such, such a severe. I would, I would agree. I mean, honestly, like when we went on strike, it was both our teacher union and our support. Like it was our ESP mm -hmm. chapter and um, our licensed teacher chapter both went on strike. And like, obviously did I want a little bit higher pay? Did I want a few things? Yes. But like, I know myself and a lot of my close friends in the district who are also licensed teachers, we more so went on solidarity, like we went on strike and solidarity for what we were asking for, for our ESP colleagues. Like yeah. we were asking for their, like their salary schedule has been frozen for seven years. So they, like people have not been given pay raises or they haven't been able to move up in the bracket, even though they've gotten four more years of experience right. or continued education. Like we were asking for their compensation to go up. We're right. asking for their them to get training. Like if you're going to become a paraprofessional, shouldn't you be given training around the disability that you're working right. with? Right. Because, like I remember when I first started and I had been right in an autism clinic for years. And before we were even allowed to enter the classroom with our clients, we had to go through 40 hours of training and like pass tests and do observations and all these things to make sure like, Yep, you have what it takes. And also you're knowledgeable and we've given you information. Right. Where I've now, right, I've taught for five years and I've had every year a support staff who it's their first year. And I'm like, I have to teach you everything while the kids are here. Right. This is wild to me. Like, this is right. why we have such turnover. Like, And our support staff doesn't get paid to come in before school starts. No. So you can't even do it before school starts. No. we they don't have to come in. I mean, I mean, they don't get paid. Brittany, I kid you not. I I am very, very, I have my current principal and the principal I had prior at my old school were both incredibly supportive people. And I came to, but then I had to leave schools. So sadly, I didn't get to work with that administrator anymore. But my new administrator, he's great. And so I went to him and I was like, hey, we have a huge autism program. Like we have 27 students in this school with setting three IEPs. Like that's a lot of kids. Yeah. And so we have nine support staff or seven support staff. And there's three of us licensed teachers. We don't get a time ever to communicate with each other and like give education or check in on how a certain student is doing. And he was like, I can't, we don't have it in the budget. Cause I was like, can we get one morning a month? Like I'm asking for an hour a month. And he was like, I'm really sorry. You're going to have to get creative and see if people are willing to adjust their time. And so that's what we started doing the last half of the year was Monday mornings. My, so thankfully, our team was amazing and they were willing to do it. But like we all obviously had to take a sacrifice because I've, all the ESPs came in an hour early on Monday mornings. And then we had to find a time to take that hour out of their schedule somewhat time else. And so like everyone had a day where they left an hour early mm -hmm. and it was just like, well, it was worth it for the rest of us to have to like pick up a little bit of extra work in order for us to have that time to be a team and like communicate and to give education right. on autism and on social emotional interventions and behave and like 
we had to go through as licensed teachers, like, hey, this is how you handle when someone's biting you. This is what happens right. when a student runs, like we had a student exit the building and run away. Right. And like, this and is the safe. to teach them how to do that while the kid is walking out the door. Correct. It was like this emergency <laughs> of like, I literally threw my car keys at someone and they drove my, or no, sorry, I got that wrong. Someone threw me, I was like, get my car keys. They threw me my car keys. I ran to my car and started driving, trying to get the kid. And two people were on foot. Right. And it was just like that found out later. That was not allowed. Like I was not supposed to get in my vehicle. Oh my goodness. But it was like, what? If I'm, my kid is running, I'm going to go get him. Yeah. I didn't put him in my car. So no one on the podcast come after me. I called the social worker. <laughs> got him. It was fine. But it is. It's one of those things where it's like, how are you supposed to learn about students and their needs during the school day without any previous, like, I'm, I don't know if you get to work with paraprofessionals or support staff in your position. Not currently. Um, Do you have a teammate in your program? Yeah, we have, there's four of us in our department. Okay. Um, and department time has been a point of contention mm. um, in that we're expected to meet, talk, plan, and complete tasks all within an hour a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's been a lot of conversations with both my team and, um, our supervisor. Sure. There's, there's progress to be made on both sides. Sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. We, yes. We could use our time more efficiently that we have together. Um, but, but it's also, also hard because conversations about needs are going to happen organically. So it's like, yes, we have this agenda, but like, right. if it comes up in conversation, you're not going to not talk about it as a right. department. And I, and you understand, I mean, our department, our, my position is so irregular to a regular high school teacher Sure. in that we do have a caseload. We yeah. don't have an IEP that we have to legally follow, but we follow our students for four years. I say, but you have like, and we have a, that you're tracking and you yes. have goals for them and you have all of yes. these and you're also helping them navigate. Oh, I'm new to a country. And this new, is a different culture. Yeah, new to a school, new to being a teenager, new to, I mean, for a lot mm-hmm. of our students, we're the only teacher they see year after year. Right, you're the only, like, consistent relationship. And so, you know, but, and then, inevitably, we are very close with our students. Our students are really close to each other. A lot of them are related, and they have a lot of same classes together. So our students get really tight-knit, of which course. means that when drama happens, it's... <laughs> it's it's <laughs> yeah you know so and so has so you also on. do social skills instruction so we also have okay. to do a social skill instruction <laughs> about like hey if you have a crush on a girl you should just tell her and not threaten to fight anyone who talks to her um yeah that's a good way of doing that but like when are we supposed to do that if not in the hallway between classes when we heard him say he's gonna go beat somebody's ass right um but as far as <laughs> lack of support so I have in the past worked with paras I've had because ESL is also a required service yeah um I have um gone into um special education classrooms typically if a student is in um a classroom like yours I only go in to run standardized testing yep Um, that's what happens in my room too I acknowledge that uh, the services they get from their special education teacher are far more valuable than what I can give. <laughs> it's kind of like I had a student I mean, this it's year. It's communication and it's vocabulary and right. it's understanding and like 
I know the EL teacher I used to work with, we kind of joked all the time. We're like, we really do like, at least for the obviously younger grades, maybe not for you as much in high school, but like if they're, they're acquiring language, like, great. We're going to probably use a lot of the similar strategies. Yeah. So like well, the gonna- high school level, like the goal I had to write for a student for speaking was like, you know, says short words or phrases. Yeah. But the student was a senior in high school and actually his language goal was to use his iPad as a communication device. There but that's go. not, a, I, I can't write a goal. That. That's not my option. Like it's not an option for me. Pathologist. Yeah. No, but please do that with him because that is far right. more helpful for him. Right. Right. Using, making one word sentences. Absolutely. Um, and then I've had pairs in my room before. I had a student my first year teaching who was um, uh, mute by choice. Oh, wow. And had a uh, para with him full time. Wow. Um, which was really interesting. And that was the para was a retired teacher who came back. Oh, that's great. And he just was like the sweetest. Like he participated in class. It was so fun having him in my room. Yeah, I bet. Um, and was oh yeah, it was really a cool opportunity. But for the most part, um, I work with case managers for students that we have. Sure. Um, at the height, and this is another like our case managers. This is another issue with our work, my workload. Yeah. Our case managers are only case managers. Oh. At the high school level, they don't. Wow. Teach. Yeah, that's really. D- There's a huge like jump in sped from like yeah. oh, elementary. It's just like. Every like I kind of do all of the jobs that I can yeah. see it all in middle school, like starts to break apart and high school. It's like, well, I don't know. Like, yeah, so our, good luck, I guess. Our case managers only case manage and check in with students. They don't have classroom positions wow. um, and they have caseloads of like yeah, 30 ish. Right. 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 Um, but we have over 100 ESL students between four of us. Holy so about 25 kids each. That's a lot that we have to case manage for, and I teach five classes and a day. provide the instruction for. Right, <laughs> and grade. And, and prep. Right, and a lot of the stuff that should be covered by other teachers yeah. or other staff members, they yep. need support on, so that's also my job. Of course. Because, you know, I'm, I'm not bilingual, I'm not fluent in Spanish, my coworkers okay. are. So okay. if a student comes with a, um, transcript in Spanish, we either have to wait a week and a half for the district to translate it, or my coworker has to find time to run downstairs and do it. And, um, and, and she will, but now that's more time. But then it's also like, you're like, okay, I have to find the time to ask this person and maybe I have to cover over her while she's doing this right. for me. And, and then yeah. the counselor will be like, okay, but like, what does they get, what do they get credit for then? Well, well if, if they took a history class in Mexico, that should count as a world history class. Yep. Yeah. Like so, they still got the knowledge regardless of what language it was provided. Right. In. But we do, they have, we have to sit down and like do, you know, help the counselor with their job. And yeah. So when we talk about teacher turnover, a lot of it for me lately has just been, I feel like I do the job of too many people. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. That. Our school counselors, I was just talking to somebody about this yesterday, don't really counsel students. No. Um, they more, you know, kind of do registration sometimes, but for my for my students, for my caseload, okay. I have to support them in registering, registering for classes. I have to support them in college prep. I mean, we have to support them in college prep and applying because I mean, we had one kid this year um, 
he's going to UW Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to figure out, they marked him as an out of state student. So his tuition was going to be higher. Oh, and we were trying to figure out how to get it fixed. And the first person I called told me to send in a copy of his birth certificate. He's Colombian. I was like, that won't solve the problem. He's That's lived like in Wisconsin for three years. So yep. he's technically a Wisconsin resident. Yep. Birth certificate won't help. Birth certificate doesn't matter. He lives here. Right. But so like, that's wild to go through those steps. Like that's not in your job description. It's not my job description to be on the phone with the university for an hour on a Friday. No. No. And during class, my students were so funny because they were supposed to be working independently. And I was like, we're just going to do this now. So I'm really on my cell phone in my classroom. (laughs) So you're going to do it. I'm going to do it. Because school is business hours and business is closed when schools are over and ta-da. Um, but this kid doesn't speak fluent enough English to be comfortable oh. on the phone, yeah. comprehending and asking questions. Yes. And the politics, I mean, an official school phone call is a very different phone call than a social setting. I mean, this Correct. is like a professional setting. Yes. So I'm trying to do this phone call for him and then explain to him what's happening on the phone. And then we finally get to the point where I'm like, okay, you have to get some forms together. I mean, he has to get some documentation together. Yeah. Our counselors don't know anything about oh, green cards and visas. Which is wild and- to me. Like when they're supposed to be the student or the the person right. to na- help navigate that situation. Like, right. and then we have our whole high school. We have one social worker <gasps> at Tremper. There's like two thousand kids there. Yeah, we have one social worker. Oh my gosh. Maybe two, but one of Regardless, them is that's still only. I say usually there's like a no, 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 no. Yes. And then the school psych, we have one school psych. But still, those are three different jobs. But oh my gosh. So like, hey, I have a student who's been writing about how she, you know, like self-harm things. Yep. Uh, we'll talk to the counselor and the counselor's like, well, that's not great. Mm-hmm. Okay, now what are you going to do to help this kid? Well, she should probably check in with the you know, a social worker. Okay. When is she free? Because there's how many students in our right. building? <laughs> right. And so, so then that becomes my job. Yep. I'm checking in on the student because I'm already seeing her every day in my classroom yep. and the social worker doesn't have time. And our family advocate has to go do home visits and our school counselor, you know, and, and so, yeah. So when we talk about teacher turnover and you talk yeah. about the lack of staff. Yeah. Makes my job harder. So much harder. I should be able to say, I love you so much. And I'm so sorry you're struggling with this. Yeah. You go talk to this person. Yeah. Here's the person. So, right. Instead yeah. of adding to my list. Right. I have to keep these kids from fighting because they're in a thing this week. And I have to do my lesson plans and grading and have to check in on this student. because She was not having a great day yesterday. And this student had a panic attack and... So I have to talk to her and her teacher because her teacher didn't know how to manage a student having a panic attack. Oh my goodness. Um, and just, yeah, that the the lack of staff makes yeah. it hard to support students. The lack of, like you said, education or time to educate. Yeah. I have to have conversations with teachers that, can I just sit down and say, here's some basic tools for teaching ESL students that also oh. are beneficial for everybody. Yeah. No, I feel that in a very real way. I'm sure you do. But like, if it would save me so much time, if I could, you know, every year, give me 30 minutes. Right. I'll do a quick and dirty PD, supporting ESL students, 
and maybe eventually they'll get it or at least they'll have notes to refer to. Oh, right. yeah. If you want to do PD, you'll have to let us know in like January that you want to do it for next school year so that we can schedule you in. You don't have 30 minutes oh my of God. a staff meeting? Does KUSD do any onboarding? Yes. Okay. Do they do onboarding for support staff? I think support staff come in one day early. Yeah. Because like, but, and but most of that is like, you know. But it's not any like train. Like I don't know. Like I've so that was one thing I think I've really come to have a grievance with in the education field. Um, like I touched on this earlier. Like when I worked at the nonprofit, there was a really big onboarding process. Like before right. you were able to work with students, you we had to like go through and we got paid for it. Like I, we got, we had to do all these like meetings, but we had this like online program of modules that were self-directed that had little quizzes, but it was amazing because it was like, it started as base and it doesn't have to just be for autism. Obviously this could be for right. anything, but like in my instance, like I, yes, I was in school for autism, my autism license, but regardless, I still, it was really helpful. Like it was a module on like, what is the disability? Here's just some quick doesn't have to be like you have to get a degree in it, but just here's enough information that you have a general idea. And I, you, I got to learn about other like comorbid disabilities right. or disorders that people like with autism commonly have. So like there was a thing on ADHD, there was a thing on OCD, there was a thing on anxiety, depression. And then it was also like, here's interventions that are commonly used. Right. Learn, read, watch this video, read these little blurbs, answer these questions, just have like a basic, we, we can trust that you have this basic knowledge now. And I came to this, or when I started in the school district, I was flabbergasted that, the, like I said before, the ESPs did not have an onboarding. And I was like, not even just for special ed, right. but like for any staff member, like there's people. And I mean, I think there could be like a, a quick one for like veteran teachers, like, but like, if you're new, you should be able to like, do people know what ESL services look like? Right. Or that it's not ESL, it's ELL. Like I just right. even used the wrong term myself. Yeah, but like, our district uses ESL still. Oh, really? Which is inaccurate. Like, we've been told like, no, no. No, it's not accurate. But like, but that's why I use it out of habit. because Right. But just like some basic, it's just, it doesn't have to be 40 hours worth of training, but like, hey, you're an employee at KUSD. Here's, we're at here's this made up school district that we have. So I'm not throwing KOSD under the bus. Um, but like in a building. I mean, we talking in a, about we're yes, in a building, but like here's some just information. Like, this is what these disabilities look like. This is what these services, like this is what speech does. This is what OT does. This is what ELL does. This is what your social worker does and your case, like your case managers and your counselors, just like a, so we all kind of have an idea of what each other's responsibilities are supposed to be. And then here's some, like, like you said, some bullet point things of like right. how to support. Yes, it's an EL strategy, but guess what? It's probably going to have having written directions, using consistent language and maybe pairing a visual every once in a while is probably going to help most students, right. not just kids who have a disability or are learning a new language. Yeah. I think one of the things I've noticed, though, is that there is hesitation to put things in writing because then it's true. Yeah. yeah. If I say that this is Mrs. Lang's responsibility and she doesn't do it, everyone right. knows she's supposed to because we learned at the beginning of the year that's her responsibility. Or in like the opposite frame of like people don't want, like you said, like, oh, the so these are the social workers' responsibilities. The social workers, if they're asked to do something different, could also be like, sorry, no. Right. These yeah. are my responsibilities. And when there's not enough staff and they're like, 
hey, and they put that boundary down. You're an ELL teacher, but will you but come also, and sub for this class because we don't have enough subs? And then there's like the gas. I feel like there's like the societal gaslighting of like, right? Like there's all these extra things that like we're expected to kind of do as teachers. Right. Oh, but like you must hate your students if you don't do it. Like, oh, but like you're not, you're, you don't care for your students if you're not willing to do all these extra things. Like you signed up for this. Didn't you know this is what you're going to do? Right. It's like, yeah, but like we can't even do the basic responsibilities of our job in right. our timeline. Like I saw a video the other day of like, or a meme or whatever. I feel so old saying it like that. I realized when I was working with my students, I was like doing pretend play and I put my finger, we were like playing phone and I put my hand up to my ear, you know, with like the thumb in your ear and the pinky in your mouth. And they were like, what? And then they did it as if they were holding an iPhone. And I was like, oh my God, generational difference of playing pretend phone is like, they're holding what looks like a brick next to their head and I'm doing a handheld phone. And I'm only 30. Like, I was like, I... I, when the six-year-olds kind of looked at me like, what, what are you doing to your face? I was like, it's a phone. They're like, no, Miss Mia, this is a phone. That's so funny. But anyways, I'm trying to figure out where I was going because ADHD and tangents. Um, I was going to say though, as far as onboarding, when we see so many teachers leave so soon in their career. Yeah. I think that's a huge piece of it. Yeah, my first year teaching, my first two years, I taught in Iowa, and they had an amazing new teacher program. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And the only reason, not the only reason, but one of the reasons that I was so prepared for my next position, which was not good, was because I had such a great first two years teaching, which is very uncommon. Wow. What Um, did, what made it a good first year teacher, like program or new teacher? we, um, We each, the best thing, we each got a mentor teacher. Wow. And the mentor teacher was in the building and did not teach a full course load. Holy moly. Part of their job during the day was they taught, like my mentor teacher was a Spanish teacher because there wasn't an ESL mentor. She taught in the morning and then her whole afternoon was for doing instructional coaching and mentorship. Wow. So she could actually come and observe me, me teaching. Yeah and see how my ridiculous my freshmen were and then we had right. time to meet and talk about it um whereas in our district right now you might get a mentor teacher before school starts if they have one for you and they remember to sure. tell you who your mentor sure. teacher is but sure. the mentor teachers because I applied to be a mentor teacher last year and I didn't yeah. get a mentee um but so I learned about the, the system the mentor teachers you just get paid and have to do it outside of your contract oh so if I had a mentor, but they're, like, a mentee, so paying you. they're paying you, but if I have a mentee in my building and they're like, man, my second hour is just so rough. And I'm like, sorry, I'm teaching sorry. second hour. I would love <laughs> to come support and I'll watch it, I guess. Like, right. like I'll come support you, but I can't. And so for me, the mentor, having a, men- That's a mentor massive. that could actually meet with me during school hours. Yeah repeatedly it wasn't a whole ordeal for her to come and observe me yep. so she was able, like hey let's talk about the, you know I'll come see you this yep. is what's going on you know I'm gonna try something and then she's like cool can I come back next week and see how that went that was huge to me yeah that I had someone whose entire job was just to encourage and help me um, which probably kept you in the field right because then when there's silly stuff like you know it's the third week of school and I still haven't found a copy machine 
And now I feel stupid because I haven't found a copy machine yet. But she knows I'm a first year teacher. And so I can get, yep. Hey, so this is awkward. Where the hell is the copy machine? What do I do? (laughs) And how do I get a code? Because it keeps locking me out. Um, the The school I went to after that, I worked with some of the new teachers. They kept assigning ESL kids to the new teachers so that they would have my support, which is another issue with ESL. Yep. I am not meant to be a new teacher mentor on top of my job. As a third year teacher. Because they do, they, you know, well, new teachers need extra support. So we'll just put an extra adult in their room. I'm not an extra adult. Nope. I'm also a professional who has a job to do. Yep. (laughs) And I should be respected for my education and experience. What an idea. What an idea. Um, But the, the teachers we had who were new that year, I remember like, I think there were two, there were two teachers that I worked with that were new that year. And I didn't even think about what they didn't know. That was, right. and this was the other thing my first school did. They gave us a packet, an introduction to the school with wow. all the things you might need. Like new teachers to the school had came in separate and we had a whole thing. Wow. So these, this elementary school I worked at, these poor girls came in the first day of school, got a nasty phone call from the receptionist because they had not submitted attendance. No one told them how to. No one told them to do it. Nope. My first year teaching, I didn't do attendance for like a month and a half. And the secretary had to come to me and she's like, um, Mia. And I was like, no one told me. Like, I was like, I'm literally 24. I'm brand new. No one has, I didn't even get a computer for the first two weeks. Like, I didn't know this was an expectation. I'm just trying to survive and not let these kids jump out the windows right now. Yeah. No, but around that mentor line, I don't know why, like, I thought of this earlier when I sent you my like idea of like staff, um, this past year, I, I host so it's kind of like a student teaching, but Minneapolis is doing their own program for support staff who want to move into teaching license positions. And so they get like a subsidized tuition through one of the local universities. And then they take like it's a super jam-packed master's program. Like it's like 16 months. But so like they take some, they start in the summer, they do a bunch of summer courses. And then in the school year, it's amazing. So they get paired up. Like I had a guy who he wanted to be a setting three autism teacher. And so he was with me from like the day, like we went for those two weeks, you know, before students show up, he was with me from that day until the last day of school, but it was so cool. So he was going to classes after school, Mm -hmm. but he was there the entire school year. He got to truly see what it really looked like where versus like when I don't know if your experience but like my experience in college was like a practicum was like okay I'm gonna go to this one classroom for two hours every other day for like six weeks and like you get a glimpse into what it's like but you get a glimpse into what instruction's like you don't get a sense of what everything else that is required of you looks like and so it was really cool because as the school like there was, it was really guided. And like, of course, there was only like 30 students or 30 students, 30 resident teachers in the district, which Minneapolis is massive. That's not a lot of teachers, but it is really cool because every one morning, so I got like Friday mornings once a month, he was my sub, like they licensed him as a substitute. And I would go to the district office and we would get like mentor teacher training where they were like, hey, this is what they're working on in class right now. This is how we want you to start fading away and help them gain independence. And so like, I could sit back and watch, cause like, I'm like, we are technically supposed to be doing the same job. Right. Like it was basically like, I was like, you're attached to me for the first six weeks and then you're gonna start flying out of, out of the nest. 
And so it was cool because I got to sit back and be like, okay, you know how to do whole group now. Like that is now your thing from week five. I did not do whole group. I sat back and I either got to be a support person or I got to observe him and give him tips and like actually help him understand what that was like to by the end of the school, like the fourth quarter, it was his classroom. And, and it was weird, but like, like I was like, oh, Mia, right. control. <laughs> like it was super cool because I got to have the time to learn how to be a mentor, but he got to actually have yeah. this really amazing onboarding essentially experience. And then he got, like, he came to me, he's like, I was a you know support staff for four years. He's like, I had no idea everything that you did behind the scenes. He's like, all of this paperwork, all of the extra little like fires, like we giggle that like, we're like firefighters throughout the day and like ninjas yeah. at the same time, but like also supposed to be teaching. He's like, honest to God though, he was like, I feel kind of ready to like be a first year teacher. And obviously that's an extreme example because that's right. happened everywhere. But like, I just wish somewhere in the middle, like what you had sounds absolutely amazing. Right. Like, it wasn't before you were teaching. It was your first year. Right. But that's unbelievable. So like, how do we get that to be streamlined? And then how do we get it to happen for support staff? Right. Talking about next steps, though, as far as like at a, at a, usually do big picture. and, and yep, yep, yep. So on a, a big scale, yeah, the district I started in did an awesome job with mentor teachers that we all went to our build. Part of our new teacher training was you did a day in your building and the building was expected to have, you know, a presentation and information for you about how to be a teacher here. Wow. Um, and then we all had a mentor teacher who had time during the day to be a mentor. It wasn't just an after school thing. Unbelievable. Um, and my mentor, I had a, a mentor for two years. It was a two year. Wow. Um, system. And so, yeah. So then. And so your mentor teacher was in your same building. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So then, you know, some days you just have to vent <laughs> to be like, yeah. Oh my gosh, that was so bad. It was so bad. Yeah. And please tell me I'm not bad. And to be able to like find her and be like, well, and to um, validate that like, and she's you're like, not yeah. going to be perfect your yeah. first couple of years. Like, I remember my first year, I went to the teacher in the room next to me and she had been teaching for like, I don't know, nine, 10 years. And I was like, when does it get better? I just like had this breakdown because I didn't have a mentor. Right. And I was just like, I, I remember going to my principal and I said, I'm drowning. Yeah. Like I'm lit and he just looked at me. He was like, okay. Right. And I was like, no, like I need help. And he was like, I don't, what do you want from me? And I was like, I don't, I don't know, but like, I need something. And I just like went to this first grade teacher and she was like, honestly, Mia, she's like, it's going to feel like that for probably four or five years. Yeah. And she was like, eventually we'll get better. But it was like, I can only imagine how amazing that was for you to be yeah. able to like meet with your mentor and be like, Hey, this situation happened today. Or like, I'm really overwhelmed or well, and I, I want to share joy. Our of what kids happened. that we worked with. I had a kid who was, he was, I was 22 and he was 20. Oh my gosh. Cause he started high school late. Um, he's a refugee and he, he was, um, being mildly threatening. Yeah. Yeah, just making comments, and I was like, "That's not appropriate." You know, make, right. he was making comments about, you know, I'm going to shut it down. Yeah, about my boyfriend, which I didn't have a boyfriend, but I was like, "No, we're not going to do that." But he like, and he kept antagonizing, and so finally, sure. I was like, "If you want to have this conversation, um, you can have it with the principal." Yeah, because I've already asked you to stop. Yep. And he threw a fit, and he yelled at me, and he again, he's twenty. 
Right. And he's, he's taller than I am. Than you. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this is. And it's thankfully, that was a class I had a para in where the para was like, go. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, so, yeah, because I had to walk into the office. It was a whole thing. And I'm like, what did I do that set this kid off? And right. the teacher was like, you know, my mentor was like, nothing. That wasn't on you. Yeah. He's, a, he's a teenage boy and you were right to feel threatened. Right. And you did what you were supposed to like. Yes. All of that is true. And I was like, right. okay. Cause I mean, that was, now I laugh about it because of the comment you made. But in the moment, it's not the moment, No, no. To make, you know, to take, I mean, he took over my classroom because he right. had everyone's attention. Right. And was making comments about me to me. And like that, none of that. And like, you're okay. supposed to remain respectful and professional right. in that moment and not be like saying not right. bad things to this kid. Right. Or like, you can't lose your cool. Right. Like you're not allowed to be a human in that moment of like, I'm being attacked vocally, right. not physically, right. but like I'm being antagonized and it's not okay. And I have to be able to be like, I'm sorry that you feel that way. Sit down. Like I'm asking I'm you sorry to stop. You feel that way about my imaginary boyfriend. But... And I'm sorry that you feel threatened by the ghosts that I'm dating. <laughs> you know what? Sit down and let's right. finish this lesson. Um, but yeah, so having a mentor was awesome. I also think on a district level, having that support beyond a first a new teacher yes because I okay I'm new to the district I should also have additional support I'm new to this building I should also have additional support I'm a math teacher now Mia I have an English degree and an ESL degree and I teach I co-teach four math classes a day what why because they need ESL support in the math department because it's a core class the kids get, get ESL support I don't have a math degree no I need PD time to like learn. a high school level of math. I need time to learn algebra two and trigonometry. Oh my so god! I can teach. How am I supposed to accommodate it if I don't even know it? I barely passed. I mean, I and took so you it, took it fourteen years <laughs> right. ago. So like, holy and so, but that's not given to me. We'll just no. accommodate it. I'll, or the time to learn it. Right. What do you mean You're accommodate it? I don't even understand it. Like, I don't know. I don't know how to reteach this or teach this in a different way because I'm literally taking notes next to the students. Like, I specialized in this thing. And again, I know the kids need support. I volunteered to do math and I enjoy it. But it is an extra challenge. It's an extra challenge. It's one of the unwritten duties of like, I'm not going to let my students sink. Right. So I'll be the rescue boat, but I'm going to need to figure out as I'm doing it, how to so do So I have to take my prep to go to my co-teacher and say, I was really busy writing an email during class today. And so I missed the concept. Can you reteach it to me? Oh, so that I can do the quiz tomorrow. With well, you just enroll in Khan Academy and learn algebra two online. I mean, what are you doing? I know. Obviously, that's what you should be doing at home. Right. Over your summer. Right. But yeah, so that support too of yeah. anytime there's a shift in role or curriculum, I mean, curriculum changes. Curriculum. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, it just, it seems like a basic of like, oh, you are hired to do this job. Let's just make sure we give you the appropriate understanding right. of what this job requires right. and what tools you will need to be successful in this job. From like that blanket statement, it doesn't sound like we're asking for a lot, like no matter who you are. Right. Doesn't matter if you are a grade level teacher, if you are a specialist, if you are a sped teacher, an ESP. I mean, holy moly! It just, yeah, it's. I feel like it could be something that, like, 
obviously there are districts and there are schools that have these things implemented. So like, how does that become a more popular thing? Because honestly, I think I see a really big correlation between like we've talked about onboarding and support and education to not only like teachers leaving, but like teacher, like you said, attrition, but also like I said, like support staff, like, and just in terms of like the budget cutting, like there used to be like, I swear in kindergartens, almost, I don't know, this is in Minnesota, kindergarten costumes used to have a licensed teacher and a support person, like every kindergarten costume, because they're brand new to school most of the time. Right. Um, and like you said, there's so many kids who are not diagnosed yet. So yeah. you have yeah. kids like who are fun. going to have an IEP. They just yep. don't yet. Right. And like, they're just also five-year-olds, like five-year-olds don't know what the F is going on. They learned to walk three years ago, four years ago. They've right. been talking for maybe three years. If like, if right. they were hyperlexic, and like they, they just human. learned how to wipe their butts. Maybe. If, if, if even, because half of them do not know how to do that anymore. Right. Sadly, that's not a requirement anymore. It used to be a requirement yeah. that kids would be toilet trained for kindergarten and they're not, but regardless, like there used to be all of this built-in support in schools and people stayed because like, yes, the job is hard. And yes, we have all of these responsibilities, but like, at least you could rely on the other people. And now we've taken away a lot of those bodies yeah. from schools and the bodies that are there aren't given the knowledge before they start their job or as they're doing their job to know what do I need to do to be successful in this job. So in my case, if my co-teacher, my math co-teacher is out, I am the next, should be the next most capable person to cover the class. Because wow. I know the routine, because I know, that's fine. right. I know you the, know the classroom management routine that exist. yeah. I don't know the content. I've not been given time to learn the content. Right. And so there are classes where I'm like, you know, the teacher will be like, hey, I'm going to be out. And I'm like, can we do a review day? Yeah, or like independent work a new lesson because I haven't been but given like, the time to do that. It's also not a benefit to the students to expect someone without a math license right. to teach them math. Right. Yes, they're missing a day of math, but really, would it help? Right. That's not your specialty. It's not your teaching license. So like, yeah, you can be there and like, hey, like we reviewed this concept. So like everyone's going to do independent work today and I'm right. here to support, but like, I'm really here for the kids on my caseload. Right. It, yeah, it is the idea of like, and I don't mean to be like, oh, we just need warm bodies in schools because that is absolutely no, not the no, case. No. But more adults in schools is going to lead to more success for students. Yeah. Well, at the high school level, I mean, we have security staff. We never have right. a full security team. Wow. And the, the issue with that is when things happen, we have a yes. slow reaction time. Of course. Because security That's is spread so thin. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, literally the school is just safer with more adults in it. It is because things are going to happen in schools because they, they are part of our communities. And because kids are human. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Like, specifically high school students. Like we don't give them... They're just, I just one. they're just little, they're just big kids. They're just big kids. And like, they're going through hormonal changes and life drama. And also like, I'm sorry, high school is hard. Like I, I could not do algebra two again. I don't think. Right. And I don't know how, I don't know how I did eight different classes every day. Okay. I was thinking about this the other day and I was like, how in the world 
did I do eight blocks a day that were like great, probably like you like AP classes, intensive classes, and then extracurriculars until at least 9 p.m. Yeah, I was also a theater kid and orchestra. So yeah, I mean. Exactly. It's like, okay, so I'm just at school from seven to nine. Right. And then I have to go and do my homework. And then I have a social life. Like, that's a lot as a teenager. Like you said, they're just big kids, but we expect so much of them. We're like, oh no, you're almost an adult. You're going to college. It's like, no, no. Like in college, if you had more than three classes in a day, you were like, hold up. When am I supposed to nap? Honest to gosh, that change of like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I have a class every day this week. (laughs) Calm down. You used to do this all the time. You did a marathon every day for four years. I had night class. A lot of our classes were night classes because of education. And then all of our ESL classes were Saturday classes. (laughs) And so my friends would be like, I have all my classes Monday and Tuesday. And I was like, be quiet. We don't do night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night and Saturday. Yep. Yeah, those like four to seven p.m. classes. That was, and I was just like, I can't do anything. Like, I guess education is just at night. Apparently, um, here's here's what I struggle with. Yes, and I have to go because the baby pooped. Yes, no, I apologize. No, it's okay. (laughs) Joe texted. He was like, "Are you almost done?" Because she pooped her diaper. We do we do poopy diapers and we help each other out. That's lovely. I love that. One person has to hold all the limbs. It's a lot. (laughs) It's Um, a lot. (laughs) So. My struggle is when we talk about next steps individually, what am I supposed to do? Correct. Because, and you were talking about the strike, I mean, this tension of what is best for my students. Yes. And what is best for me and my mental health and my well-being. Right. And like, can I be a best teacher without, like, while I feel like I'm drowning, am I being a good teacher? Right. But also I don't, I'm a people pleaser. So I'm also like- is it okay to ask for help from people who are also drowning? I mean, if we're all Correct. drowning, Correct. Who, who's there and to I, help? And I think early in your teaching career, at least for myself, I didn't know that other people felt that way. So I didn't, like you said, I'm a people pleaser. I'm a pretty independent person. Like you and I have a lot of those same personality traits. Like I'm a pretty strong headed person and I can usually solve most problems by myself. But like, I didn't know how many teachers felt unsupported and felt like they had no effing idea how to do what they're like I went to school I did all these things but like you don't actually learn how to do everything that's actually required to be a teacher in college like nothing's going to prepare you like most jobs right it's on the job that's where you learn it but like you didn't I didn't know to ask that asking for help was okay and then when you do like I told you like I went to that principal and I literally said I think I feel like I'm drowning I was met with like a all right yeah. Like you said, what the, what, what are you supposed to do individually? Yeah. Especially now that like we've, you've been teaching for many more years than I have at this point. Like mm-hmm. so you have more experience, but like, I'm only, I'll be entering my sixth year and I still, now I know like, it's okay to ask and it's okay right. to tell people, but I think it takes a long time. Like it takes a couple of years to understand that it's okay. It's yeah. There's, it's a double-edged sword. It, it is. is one of the things that has helped me the most when you say that as far as feeling supported is commiserating with and reaching out to other teachers. Yes. Um, And in every building I've been in, even buildings where I didn't have an assigned mentor, I found people. Yeah. And I said, can I come to you? You know, and I was able to, can I come to you about stuff? You know, confidentially, I just need, you know, I'm a verbal processor. I just need to come. Yeah. Um, The problem is finding people that 
can be that safe space for you in a school building yeah. is difficult sometimes. It, yes. And it can I, be sticky situations. And I've worked kindergarten and I've worked with high schoolers. I mean, I've done yeah. the whole gambit. And yep. some teachers just are catty and yes. petty. Yes. And yeah, you can always come and ask me questions. And then the next week they'll be like, yeah, you remember, like, you're not very good with classroom management. And you're like, you I know, was I having know. a bad day. <laughs> I didn't know I was asked, like, I didn't know I was asking you to judge me. Right. Yeah. Like, I thought that I was just confiding in a safe person. Right. I am having a hard time at this specific time. So, so that... Yeah. Or if you are like, Hey, I'm struggling. And people are like, Hey, yeah, then you feel, then you feel like invalidated. Like, oh, then that must just be me. I it's just say. me. Yeah. So I think for me, finding other people, um, and I think we like one of my best friends from college is a teacher and yeah. still teaches. And I can text her and be like, Oh my goodness, the students today. And she'll be like, I'm so sorry. Yep. That I have friends like in education that under like get it yeah <laughs> I'm like you know I and know I think that helps and then finding people in my building as I feel like that's almost like two it's like two different support where like you have to have someone that like in the moment if something at school not in the moment because you can't just leave your room but like if you get a second that you can find that other person but then like also find I feel like it's two different things of like then also there has to be someone that actually understands what your specific job looks like mm-hmm. Cause like, I, I feel lucky enough that like my first, my first year teaching, um, the woman I ended up in the, who was in the other autism room, she ended up, she was a para that got promoted because we didn't have a teacher in that room. So she was the teacher. And so she and I are still very, very close. And so we, we can text you. Cause I'm like, she knows what it's like to be in a sped room or like, she knows what it's like when a kid is throwing chairs at you and biting you and trying to stab you with pencils and scissors all day. Like we're my friend who I now confide in who's in my building, who's across the hall from me. Like I can go to her for anything. She knows what it's like a little bit, but her job is very different than mine. So it's like, I can confide in you. And like, I know you're not going to spread what I just told you to other people in the building and rumors aren't going to start. But then I also have to make sure that like, if it's a specific thing to like my niche of education, I have someone who gets it. And I don't think everybody has that. No. And it's hard to find. I mean, you can't just it's like really hard make, to find. <laughs> make a person. Right. Um, I will say I'm going to put a plug in at the end. One of yep. the things that helped me the most, because my master's is in trauma-informed teaching. That's right. Yep. Um, and a huge portion of the courses were actually, um, or one of the whole classes we had to take was about um, managing trauma for yourself. Wow. Um, and so there's a book called Trauma Stewardship by... Ooh somebody van lipsky um and it talk it's not education targeted which i really enjoyed too because you read about education is one job that has to hold the trauma of other people yes but it's not the only job correct and so for one to be like okay it's not just this field there are other fields where people feel the same ways but also how do you manage it and the tools and strategies that they give in that book have been so helpful and i you kind of can cycle through they have like a compass theme so you know in your job how do you stay focused and not get bogged down but yeah. also how do you find life outside of your job so that the lack of support and the yeah. overwhelm in your job doesn't take over yeah um, and those so that book was super helpful to me 
in that it talks about strategies for managing trauma in your job. It talks about, you know, what are you doing outside of work? Um, Kind of, you know, to refill yourself. And it also talks about like having a plan B. Wow. If this is going to be overwhelming, I mean, if this job is, you know, completely unsupportive and you don't know if you can do it anymore, how are you working towards something else? And I talked to somebody, it was like, you know, there's a, I might take a class on um, project management, you know, how to be a project manager. And he was yeah. like, why would you want to do that? You're just a glorified babysitter. And I was like, I know I'd be really good at it. I'd be really, <laughs> really good. Yeah. For 50 bucks, I can get this license in project management. Wow. And yeah. And or whatever, you know, regardless. Yeah. Cheap amount. I was like, I already have the experience in managing teams of people. Actually, I'm just going to say it's a very aligned skill set right there. Um, And so if something comes, you know, something happens and I cannot yeah. because of the lack of support or whatever, I cannot do this job anymore. Yeah. I know that there's something else that I am a good fit for. That's probably a really helpful resource for a lot of people. And like, I like that it's framed about as you, as the teacher, it's not like, right. oh, how are you managing the trauma of your students? Because I think that's what most of our education is in, right? Like right. I took a lot of trauma-informed trainings and things like that, but yeah. it's how do you manage the trauma of your students? Not like, how do you manage the trauma you are undergoing in this yes. person? Like, and like you said, it's not just for education, but like, no, so that, yeah, that's that not book, the mindset that's spread. So that's really helpful. No, that book is probably the, one of the best things in my $20,000 degree yeah. that I got, um, was, was that tool. And so wow. I frequently refer back to it and reread it and I highly recommend it Yeah, um, absolutely. As, a, as a next step for this conversation of, you know, as far as teacher turnover and lack of support, yeah. um, you know, finding people to support you. And that's one of the strategies they talk about, but they talk sure. about a bunch of other two, you know, gratitude um, yeah. and a bunch of stuff like that, but then outside of work. And so that's why we start the podcast with what's bringing you joy. And a lot yeah. of times it's not work related because no. that's okay. Like, yeah. I, but when you were talking about your job, you should also be able to say, and things outside of work also impact me (laughs) yeah I'm a human being and things happen to me that are not within my nine to five clock hours yeah nine to five that's funny I know (laughs) well thank you so much for taking the time um yeah I really like I said at the beginning these conversations are so joyful for me to be able to like I think like you said just to sit down and talk to other teachers and be like oh we're on the same page it's massive is so life-giving to me um and so yeah. i'm glad i get to spend some nice summer doing this and i appreciate you joining us yeah thank you so much for inviting me i really it was a really good conversation it really brought a lot of thoughts to me good i'm glad